go to thecognitiverampage.com. Keep fueling the change. Help continue to allow this to happen. None of this would happen without you and your love and your support. Love you. The Cognitive Rampage, a scientific approach to self-discovery, change, and life optimization, is now available on Amazon. What I do in the book is I fuse the latest research from the cognitive, behavioral, social, environmental, and biological sciences. It's not just motivational fluff and wordplay. Now, I do talk about my own story, so there's some kind of inspiration in there, but I'm not just spinning words and hyping you up with motivational fluff. Whether you need a life change, simply enjoy self-exploration and optimization, want to discover new hidden passions, or reduce the life-altering effects of toil, anxiety, depression, all of those issues, this book is for you. This book is not a cookie-cutter method of steps to follow. You'll customize the scientific framework with your own personal beliefs to build your authentic change. That way you assimilate it faster. It's not just copying my beliefs and telling you step one, step two. These will come from your beliefs as how you extend and build the foundation upon this framework. You'll use this framework throughout your whole life, through every change, and through every age. These are not empty words of motivational spin. This book is an experience. The Cognitive Rampage is based in science and is built from your beliefs. It's a path to help you unleash your desired change. You can apply this method on your own with no harmful side effects. Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. We are live, my brother. Uh, good afternoon. How are you doing there? Welcome, my uh, cannabis cowboy friend of a long, long time, man. Yeah, it's gone way, way back. Pull that mic deep into you, man. Pull it over. Yeah. All right. How's that sound? Yeah, Barry White style. Got to make love to the mic, unfortunately. Mm, baby. <laughs> it's been so long, man. I think I've been trying to get you on the show, man, for about, what, three, four years now? Yeah, I'd say about three years. <laughs> Maybe four. Yeah, a long time, man. And, a lot um, of pressure. Yeah, just I've been pressuring like a motherfucker. A lot of pressure. <laughs> a lot of pressure. Well, the business you're in, man, is uh, a lot of pressure, man. And... I don't even want to correlate to where how we may know each other, really, because people may put some shit together. So uh, the truth is, man, the business that you're in, man, the cannabis business that you're in is a walk in the line business, man. Uh, definitely is. It definitely is. There's a lot of um, a lot of safety involved. Yeah. Safety involved for sure, man, because, uh, you know, being it's fe still federally illegal, right, at any moment, right? The feds could kind of pick a number really and, and show up, right? I mean, how do they even process, you know what I mean? Why don't the feds just show up wherever? Um, we're actually protected by a statute, so that's not um, ever going to happen. The feds just can't come and bust <clears throat> bust a legal cannabis license. So uh, it is federally illegal, but... It definitely is not um, something that you have to worry about the feds coming to uh, bust down a, a uh -huh. license or bust down a actually legal operation. Yeah, so that's because it's statewide, right? The, that's my question, right? Because it's state licenses, right, and federally illegal. So there is a clause that does protect the uh, the MMTCs, as they're called here in Florida, from federal prosecution. Absolutely. Oh, nice. That's a good thing. Now, man. if you don't abide by those laws or you are not abiding by the standards, you know, there's a possibility that, you know. It's going to show up. I mean, it, it, how confrontational actually is the business? And I, and I reference because I, you know, when, when I got out of the, the dope business and turned to nightclubs, et cetera, shit, the nightclub business was just as hard, right? It was still a battle and competition, right? It was some dirty stuff going on, man. And, you know, with it being so new, you know, what, what's the industry? What's the mood of the industry like right now, man? 
uh, I'd say that a lot of people doesn't realize this though. The mood of the industry is a lot of people behind this industry right now have an alternative purpose of um, like helping. You know, like a lot of people look at this industry like a bunch of hippies or stoners or you have a lot of educated people that are working with um, great passion involved to put something out to change medicine. You know, um, the perception is wrong on a lot of ends from a lot of people. They think it is like a drug game or what have you. Yeah. It's more of a medical game. It's um, a medical environment, pristine, clean, um, something that I think in the next few years, as people become a little bit more less taboo with what's going on and educate themselves, they'll realize that uh, the passion involved is what's actually making the medicine better. Ah, yeah. Unfortunately, right? We don't want to get profits caught up, right? And becomes this medicine where we start skimping on how they produce it. And you were telling me some crazy stuff that was going on in the plant businesses today that in in Colorado, certain things are tainted and it's already kind of becoming that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, People, hmm. I'm going to have to no comment on this one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's all right. No, we'll, we'll leave that out. But my, my point is that, I mean, to start cutting corners to make money when profit becomes the drive of the medicine is when you start having issues or things. And really, I like what you state that what's really driving it is, I think, who gets forgot about are the passionate individuals like yourself that got into this and the, the people that put money into this before it was safe at all and, and nurseries that took chances and the people that do it to really help people where profit's not the drive. Well, you have a different market, as you were speaking about in Colorado, California, you're in more of a, a recreational market now. So it's a different appeal. Um, we're pull that, pull in, that mic all the way In up. Florida, you're in a, a medical market. So right now it's a little bit different. If we do go to recreational, you might see a different. How long do you think? No comment. <laughs> Leaving it out. So, so the business itself, though, it's it's secretive, right? I mean, from from what houses, uh, Grove facilities do, like this is it, it's kept like it's top secret shit, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. It's um, it's always been top secret shit. <laughs> That's true, right? <laughs> it's always been top secret shit. It's never not been. Um, it's definitely got less taboo in the in the le- oncoming years, and you know. Uh, it'll probably get a little bit more or less, but it's a natural plant that's been growing a long time. The perception of it is changing, but if you believed in it from day one, other people's perception have to be changed. Mm. Hmm. You, you've been in that business per se uh, before medical got here, before any of this got here, you, you've dabbled it, right? Uh, 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 per se, right? So that's kind of what you mean by the business has been something already. It's been secretive. So adapting to those secretive changes. But um, I do love how the connection of those that were considered once street thugs, right? Or, or, or dope boys or, or growers actually were scientists the whole time. Absolutely. 99% of them are scientists. They're not really deep boys or dope dealers they're just somebody with a passion mm-hmm. somebody that um somebody that wants to kind of get away from that thing you know like that d-boy dope dealer i think 90 percent of the people that grow cannabis don't want that yeah 
I think it's a terrible look for the for the industry to grow. I think it helps keep a stigma there. It keeps idiots like Jeff Sessions uh, saying the things he does about cannabis. Uh, I think you're right. The idea uh, of that doing harm to it. I mean, it's a, it's hard enough to get by all the propaganda that's been going on from day one, M- much less, you know, trying to get by the drug of it all, the say no campaigns of the eighties and nineties, right? The, the marijuana being the number one drug, right? All these fucking issues. I mean, and it's still being on the schedule too, as, as, as uh, so poorly as, and not having, you know, any medicinal use. What are your, what brought you in to that business, man. What, what, what was kind of part of your life that, that made you push so hard to risk so fucking much, man, for so long? Seeing people suffering <clears throat> in the medicine that they were taking not working. And I'm pretty sure everybody's inspired by a child that has seizures multiple times a day, mm-hmm. takes a CBD tincture, drop in the mouth, and actually becomes a functioning child. How could that not put a drive in you mm. right there, proven. People with cancer, able to eat, able to function. People with fibromyalgia, crippled by pain pills, crippled by the pain that they're in. Just a toke of cannabis relieves them, stops the shaking, stops the use of these drugs that are... Are they really benefiting you, taking away the pain, or are they really killing you slowly? Because it's a chemical. Like you've spoke of a hundred times, chemical incarceration. This, this plant is not incarceration. It's more of a freedom. Let you free of... First, it's a spiritual thing. Everybody knows that, you know. And then it becomes a healing thing on top of it. Uh... It's a it's a shame because all of the angles that it takes, right? I mean, you're you're talking spiritual intervention for people, medical intervention for some, pain relief for others, and you know we're driving through uh, connected the organization that uh, we put together is you know it's use on ADHD. I'm I'm standard proof of that personally, and being a mental health counselor and linked to that, uh, I totally see a link in the treatment there. Uh, depression, anxiety, the same thing. I mean, these are are treatable. Without having to take the chemical risk of being incarcerated to the biological and uh, even cerebral connections, the behavioral, the mental connections, biological brain connections that that happen and risk that you take by taking, whether it's an antidepressant or a, or, a, or a fucking opiate, it's the same. Dangerous, dangerous drugs you're playing with there. Seriously dangerous drugs. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I get worried about it, like how how high they're making the THC ranges, and you know all the stuff that starts to come out there. You know, I'm so weary of that, man. Like, they're, they're starting to put regulations on the THC levels that they're going to have out. I've heard that already uh-huh. in Colorado, maybe. Um, but uh, there's always going to be that guy. that's true right i mean even that's why i've often brought up the idea of decriminalization legalization and the argument i always get back by somebody else is hey baby steps adam baby steps right so i say look i mean if we're fighting for legalization for medical use um Although it, this maintains, like you said, there's always that guy in the black market, right? So if it's still medical, a black market still exists for those that may not qualify legally. Eventually, big pharma is going to take that and wipe it out. But um, the black market is around, I don't know, 
eight billion dollar a year industry. We're talking just marijuana. Yeah, cannabis. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. It might so, be even more. Man, and that's the black market version, right? So this is why people make that argument, right? If you want to attack the cartels or anything like that, right? Is to legalize, right? Decriminalize, make that all, but. I would disagree that I, from what I've learned and where it's gone, maybe you can, you know, maybe birdies know, is they get that and they know everyone's growing it anyway. It's 26 states now in the United States. How long before ever? They're not idiot business people. And it's turned now to almost manufacturing crossing over fentanyl. That fentanyl and that people, what they end up doing, the issues is a lot of, sorry, I'm going to go off a little filler, is a lot of people talk about heroin being this bad drug, opiates is the issue, when the truth is it's about, it's a majority, 75% of people that actually OD and die, it's because it's been mixed, it's fentanyl and heroin, right? So what people do, you probably already know, just educating those listening, is in order for dealers to keep up, is they lace their heroin with fentanyl, so it gives you a push, a bang, it's a harder thing. Well, sometimes it's too much and it's killing people and that's the majority of overdoses so now what's happening in mexico and other places where cannabis used to come from is you're seeing they've now figured out a way to synthetically make fentanyl and they're ordering the ingredients from china making fake fentanyl synthetic fentanyl if you will mixing that with the heroin for pop and then sending that across and this has become the major export really of course it's the number one thing in our country right now that's what, taking everything down right yeah, what, 60% of people take a pill to go to sleep? Uh, a little less than that, take one every morning, they wake up nodding. That's not including vitamin supplements and natural uh, things. That's actual. So what you're saying pretty much is no matter how you try to counteract the Mexican cartel, there's enough money behind it for them to just do whatever they want anyway. They're going to pick up on the next fad, the next thing coming, and they're going to run with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're fighting an endless war of nothing, right? Some wall put off across Texas all the way to California is supposed to help this too. Yeah, great idea. <laughs> You're exactly right. Yeah. yeah, it's not happening. I mean, I, I like Portugal's approach is decriminalize, legalize everything, and allow people to make their choice, allow people to choose. They, Portugal thought some people that were against it were like, well, I have a huge drug epidemic. Drug use went down. Alcohol use went down. So many things went down by doing that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it looks like really the, it looks like the big pharma should be paying our military costs to defend against the drugs coming across the border because they seem to be making a dent more in their in their product. But the issue is they put these drugs out, whatever the new opiate may be or whatever someone's taking, Oxycontin. Could, could you rewind that back real quick there? You said the military should do what? <laughs> I, said, I said the ph pharmaceutical companies should be paying for any of our uh, drug war fights with the border because really it's fentanyl and heroin that are putting the dent in their pharmaceutical sales. So I'm pretty sure they're they're hand in hand in some way or another. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. No comment. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say it. I'm like I'm I'm gonna just float some shit out there. Maybe somebody else. Will, I'm not the one in a mask. You know what I mean? Oh my god! I tell you what. Yeah, but it's so all interlinked. Oh, you know it is. It's all this way, and so hence the the fight against a flower. You know that essentially. Wow, hell, it fights most of the medical conditions not even related to pain or mental health disorders, cardiac issues. It helps all of these Men things. Menstrual problems. God, I'll point it out. Inflammation, I mean, pain, all kinds of sorts of things, but it's too easy, right? They can't make the money, and we know that story, right? And, and hence the fight. Well, there's a CVS and a Walgreens across the street. 
on every corner in every neighborhood. If you could plant your medicine in your backyard and go out there and make a nice tea or, you know, go through the whole process and roll yourself a nice medical cannabis joint and feel better, relax, kind of takes away from big, big money. Yeah, yeah, that's it. If I can grow my own tomatoes, that's a wrap, you know, and yeah, it should be treated it, as such. It is a wrap because I think tomatoes are right now about five, six dollars <laughs> for two of them, you know, so you got a dozen out back for a dollar seed, you're already ahead of the game. So, yeah, that's what they got to find the balance to right now, I'm pretty sure. And when they find that balance on everybody getting their hand in the pot. Yep. Then they'll let it so go. To say. <laughs> I didn't realize you're fucking pun there. <laughs> Walk right through. Well, I, you know, I, I put the hypothesis out there that, uh, you know, the red states have sat back and watched the blue states uh, legalize and even eventually decriminalize in some. And they've made tons of money. And then the red states go, all right, well, they're doing that because they're broke and their mental health system's drowning. So they got to make money. So they just found a way. I, I know they look all socially liberal, but they're just broke. And then the right wing states go, all right, they made money. How can we make more money on it? And <laughs> that's why we're less. We're right behind, right? So once they figure out how they can control supply, right, which is what I think they're doing. And, well, maybe I mean, I'm asking the right person. Are they setting up a way to to control supply, to set the market? Of course, of course. There's going to be regulations. There already is regulations in place. There's going to be standards in place. There's going to be even more standards in place. Uh, what kind of shit are you going through? Um, if, I hate kind of putting it out there, but what's it like, man, being a... Um, I don't know, around the grow market and what are these facilities like? Because I, I hear people still sometimes joking about how they're, you know, going to get a license and open up a little, you know, get their little grow operation going and open up a dispensary one day when they get that license, you know. Just to put it in perspective, it takes $8 million to just have a bond to even get involved with the the licensing. That's before buying your facility. That's before setting your facility up properly. That's before coming to the standard of regulations in your facility. So just put that in perspective when you hear a person next to you in a coffee shop or a bar telling you that they're going to do this. They're full of shit. (laughs) They're absolutely full of shit. They're not going to do this. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of investments. And it takes a lot of patience and knowing the right people and having them believe in what you believe in, which is pretty hard these days. (laughs) Yeah. You got a lot of people talking and not a lot of people showing. So, yeah, that's why I point out, you know, companies uh, like CanMD or even the media outlets like Canna Chronicle, all of us that come together to do this, CannaCast, even uh, uh, MMTCs, laboratories, ancillary businesses, people, I call them kind of heroes because uh, even if they're big investment companies, they're still taking a risk walking into a, a federally legal, state legally sort of gray area if this is okay and putting, what, I mean, how much money is, you know, are, 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 like, say, a typical company by now had to have sunk into their operation? Man, I can't really comment on that, sir. Uh, so, I mean, we're ranging $100 million to, to $20 million, depending on somewhere in that ballpark. Two-year operation in a ballpark of $25 million? 
Good God. That's just to get in it. That's just to start growing. Cause I mean, where we're at now is we're in Florida, specifically speaking, is what we're, um, we talk about it a lot is where medical cards are legal. We've covered the certain diagnosis that are available, right? But on the actual operation end, right? The paperwork may say that, right? But where are we on the actual distribution end on the dispensaries open up access, uh, you know, ability? Where are we really sitting with that? It's a million dollars to open a dispensary. One. One. Holy. One dispensary. Not to mention, um, like, the amount of sacrifice you have from an investor to believe in the deal. Then you have the people on the other side that are working towards the goal. You know, the the people with uh, bachelor's degrees in horticulture, bachelor's degrees in um, biology. They're, they're risking their credibility because like you said it's not federally legal right yeah so they risk their credibility putting their passion into something and you have an investor putting their money into something that you're passionate about so um all this comes together where people think it like you said is a d-boy drug dealer thing it's more of a doctor um scientist uh caring individual that's creating the medicine for these people in Florida. It's not um, some, let's per se, young 18, 19-year-old kid with dreadlocks listening to Bob Marley driving down the road with a Volkswagen Beetle, you know? (laughs) It's not like that. No, sir, not at all. Yeah, I came across some... Working professionals, really, really working professionals. Some of the stuff you're telling me, it's like a fucking military fortress. Absolutely. Everybody has to be protected. It's a serious, serious ballgame. That's why I haven't come on your damn show for the last three years. <laughs> That's true. You have. You stayed off because three... It's not only my protection, it's everybody's protection involved, you know. You have to be very safe, man. Very, very safe. Yeah, especially if uh, communities are unaware what's going on or if they're getting aware and people are so jumpy they don't and they don't get it. It's, it's crazy to talk From to... From politics to police officers to somebody that might want to harm you that doesn't agree with what you do it could be a church it could be a d-boy or something in that you know you never know you just never know you have to be very very careful man very careful yeah and plus you want to keep your um the standard and credibility of yourself and the company you work for of course is important so yeah, the the product, what you represent, how you're doing it, how it's delivered. Yeah, that this is, I mean, I can't help but go, this is like the dope game brought the life back then. Your product is what people brought you coming back, how you treated people, how things were right on time, how things worked. Like you said, uh, you know, some of us were scientists back then. Some of us were marketers and great salespeople and organized businesses, if you will. We actually had operations, you know. These were things that are starting to come to light now that, you know, we did on smaller scales, you know, I made of neighborhoods and whatever i don't know who you're talking to we i'm rep no i'm referring the general we allegedly not the generally yeah uh, allegedly to all this Uh, (laughs) and but to see those sort of ideas you know that are typical business brought to light that are not only bringing this medicine to people but are have become beautiful business models of organizations through nonprofit organizations research donations the way it's organized and been brought to light man is is something i really step back in and am proud of actually the united states doing is how far we have come to you know getting past those facades of what it is and what it looked like and actually i don't bring the tr- the truth to light about what this really is and means for so many people what it means for our generation is an alternative motive to 
take this pill and then if you die or your leg falls off and your ear starts growing pus out of it, then call us and you can sue this company 10 years later. We know this stuff works. We've utilized it for the last 20 years of our life. You know, it's not anything that it's going to be new to us. It's just convincing everybody else that this is a different avenue and a different um, alternative to what you've thought is what works. I think uh, you remember back in the day, our grandparents didn't take much medicine. Mm-mm. No, it was organic stuff. My 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 great grandma passed down this thing called kerosene and camphor gum. This mix of pain relief stuff that if you'd probably light yourself on fire. I mean, if you but you'd rub that on anything. If there was a problem with anything. It was this black this brown bottle she had with some tape across that said <laughs> kerosene and camphor gum. Granny's mix, you know. And we were, my dad was rubbing that. Rub that on sore muscles. That yeah. So medicine and synthetics they have access to it, man. And then all of a sudden and. After their generation, it's just like everything is a pill. It started with the vitamins, and then it went to all this other crazy nonsense that fixes you for five minutes and fucks you up for the rest of your life, you know? (laughs) That's a hell of a definition. I think I'll just stay the hell away from all that shit, you know? I don't think I've ate an aspirin in 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't have a headache. (laughs) Right, yeah, that's the difference, yeah. I don't need the aspirin because I don't have a fucking headache. I don't have a headache. Yeah, it was uh, the oxygen level. Even my uh, my poor mom, I love you. She's just one of the smartest women I know. And she still just can't get over the smoke inhalation, the idea. And I'm like, look, the flower smoke inhalation, as long as not through a, a blunt or something like that, it can be healing. It's a healing type of smoke. Thinking, you know, a treatment of some kind. They're like, ah, nope, smoke in the lungs, that's cancer. And you're like, oh. No, it doesn't cause cancer because their perception of smoke is this this cancer stick, you know, right. uh, what I like to call government weed. <laughs> yeah, you know, like uh, Marlboro Parliament, Newport. <laughs> Government weed. That's I funny. tell you what, <laughs> I've been around some people that smoke, and they always say, oh, I'm a smoker when I drink. You know, that's the 90, 99 percentile. You know, I only smoke when I drink. <laughs> if you can suck down nine cigarettes in an hour while you're drinking, I'm sorry, you're a smoker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a smoker. You're a smoker. Nothing, I'm, nothing against you, but just own it. Own it. You're a smoker, and that pollution going in your lungs is definitely not good for you. Cannabis vaped, cannabis oil, cannabis tincture. It's it's processed in a laboratory, mm. uh, food grade. You know, it has to be top notch. You know, everybody's wearing gloves. Everybody's dressed like a scientist. Everybody has the most clean possible environment that you could possibly be in. They're entering a shower before they get into work and changing into a uniform. They're leaving work, taking a shower, changing out into their clothes and going home. When they come back in, they're taking a shower, changing into the uniform. Uh, the process is almost like a, a hospital, I'd say, per se. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a joke. Uh, as far as security goes, like you were speaking about earlier, I, I have to no comment on certain things on security, but it's it's special to get involved in certain areas and be in certain rooms, have access that other rooms don't have access to. You know, like certain oh, people could only have access to certain things, and it's not just a free for all. Um, there's different departments. Different departments have different accesses. So there's no need for you to be in a department if you're not in that department. You know, different colors, different things like that. 
Holy shit. Yeah. So as, this is good information for people to know because this really attacks it from the perception of the other side yeah. of, you know, they've all watched these fucking shows on CNN or uh, MSNBC of raiding drug grow facilities, right? And, yeah, and some toe dunk guy out in the <laughs> middle of nowhere, you know, and he's got some lights hanging up and the helicopter flies over and Billy Bob sitting on the bucket in front of the house like my whole life's over. Yeah, we all seen that, but that's not what we're dealing with here. We're not dealing with that at all, sir. You're dealing with like a very, very professional corporate environment. No, it's um, it's different. It's a lot different. Yeah, if I'm in the corporate environment, I would have to wear a mask the whole time just for corporate protection. Man, <laughs> I'll take the street. I ain't worried. It's some corporate headhunters that come looking for you, man. Next thing you know, you're like, wait, I used to own this business. What happened? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The thing about corporate is that it's a beautiful thing for everybody, though. You know, uh, those street-level guys, they only get a certain time to, to shine. You got a certain period of your life. How are you going to do that to your 90 years old? No, you can't do that to your 90 years right. old. You're not going to build a foundation upon that. So um, this okay. cor- when you bring it corporate, you give other people an opportunity. Other people, like you said, you got security. You know, you've got drivers. You've got people that work in dispensaries now. You're... You're creating a job market for numerous, numerous amounts of individuals. You have HR departments. You have maintenance. You've got lawn people cutting the lawn outside, keeping the facility nice. You've got all kinds of different things going on where jobs are created. And a lot of these places where they are created are towns where um, maybe there isn't a great industry or there aren't great job opportunities for young people coming up to get out of that town and maybe pursue a different career somewhere else. Now, cannabis has just become legal in Florida in the last few years. California, you got 10 years strong now, even more. So these it gives people in the different areas in Florida where these facilities are an opportunity to maybe expand to another state, get out of Florida, go to chase another dream somewhere else. You never know. So... It's a great point, man, because we all know the factory is dead in America. And these small towns used to be where the factories were set up. This is where you went to the, uh, the, the car place. You went to the farm even, especially Florida's full of farms and orange groves. And now with, uh, huge manufacturing farms, uh, you, you just, you don't have it anymore. So the family farmer is gone. So these small podunk towns, they don't have shit. Nothing. It, nothing. So now you're bringing a reason to go get a degree in biology. A reason to get a degree in biology, a reason to, <clears throat> a reason to do better, just in general. Like uh, everybody wants to do better in the next generation, you know. So if you've seen this past generation in this podunk town not do so well, obviously these kids have a new opportunity to do well, you know. And one of the greatest privileges for me is I've done this for a while now. Um, I've never had the opportunity to teach anybody. You know, these kind of skills or um, show them the passion you have for something that you have to keep hidden for so long. You got to keep inside, you know, you can't let people know about this kind of stuff when it's not legal. So to show somebody with a biology degree a plant that they've never seen in a book or studied in school and turn it around and to watch them apply their knowledge to a plant that you have knowledge for. Oh, man, it's a great connection there. That's it's amazing. So that's where the people need to start to get the perception of the medicine. Um, you might have people with experience, but then you have these kids with knowledge. And then the passion comes through, and it creates like this super medicine where people, they're, they're going to change their perception. Yeah, like 
You might wake up the next day off of that pill and feel like a crazy maniac or bang your head off the wall or want another one. The only thing you're going to do off cannabis is eat a couple more Oreos and probably get mad at yourself the next day that you ate about five and told everybody else you ate two or three. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I, I love the point that you point about teaching, man, because I, I connect with that same idea of, I, I, I don't know, I, I didn't really know how to be a counselor when I got thrown in the bullpen, so I just taught. I just started teaching. And so I think about if I was a counselor and I couldn't have taught that, to, to help someone rather than me go try this and your feelings and I would go here. They taught me this about this, right? Apply it on your own way. If I couldn't do that and had to sit there, I'd have lost my fucking mind. I don't like well, did anyway, but I would have lost it. So the idea, man, that you, that's so cool. I'm sitting there like, that's right, man. So the idea of what we, you know, or you or anybody used to have to keep under wraps that was knowledge that actually built medicine can now finally be passed forward. And to hear the enthusiasm of the the street knowledge, the experience knowledge, meeting with the books and that excitement of uh, teaching a young scientist or a new graduate botanist or I something. I wouldn't actually call it a street knowledge. Let's go with like an underground knowledge. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, like underground yeah, knowledge. Because you're growing not in the street anyway. It's, so. it, it, yeah, I mean, uh, to say it's a street thing, it's never really been a street thing. It's yeah. been like a joy, happiness hippie thing for a long time. I appreciate know? Like, that. That's a good correction. Let, let's go there. I'd say the perception's changed in the last 10 years with maybe the rap game, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, because every, everybody wants to smoke a blunt and smell me before you see me kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Same thing with the music loud as hell in the car and the rim spinning. So that's where you get that perception. But um, the real perception of marijuana came from like Jack Herrera's time, you know, you're talking 60s, 70s, love, flower child, free spirit kind of thing. And I feel like that Got lost. I don't know. I remember back in the day, Mama said that uh, history kind of repeats itself over and over again. And if you look at the times right now, we all got these damn beards and people dressing like hippies and huh. pots about to be legal across the whole country. Oof, man. Kind of an epic changeover. Seems like it's a revolution coming or something, man. Yeah. I've often questioned the baby boomers almost did it. And then they just quit and put on the suits and became what they were, <laughs> what they were fighting, you know? They got and scared. We see we got that Generation X has that little bit of a I don't know I don't know if it's polite to say fuck you attitude you know like we're not going to listen to what you say we're just going to dream it and live it mm. yeah yeah I think yeah why not man I think and that's a lot of discomfort between the generations is because the other generations just typically on a on a larger scale conformed got the job got the health care you know had the, the two and a half kids right they conform so they look at the younger generation saying what's wrong with you guys you're not conforming like we did going to college you're you're believing in some celebrityism idea or or togetherness of some idea and they, they really seem to push out and that's like you said very similar to the 67 68 that same pushback and in, including the same amount we're talking about racial issues today as much as back then they were talking about racial issues man Right on point, man. They did sell out, though. You know, so... Mom and Dad, I love you, but y'all sold the fuck out, Sold man. out. I followed a passion and a dream. I've had a lot of people tell me in my life that that passion and dream would never work, and I wouldn't be there, and I never had it. And I don't know. This is going to be the illegal business, underground business forever. I, I have health insurance. <laughs> See, I, I love it, I, man. I'm protected. Uh, a security force that <laughs> couldn't create on my own. I work for a corporation. I don't work for mom and pop. Yeah. You know, so not that that is a bad thing by any means, but 
Well, I love for the way any you person it. that's going to watch this that's in a younger state and they have this dream in their mind, keep that dream in your mind because I'm living proof that if you keep the dream in your mind, it eventually becomes a reality. And the reality and the perception might not be somebody else's, but it's your dream. That's why it's nobody else's. That's why I love that you're sitting there spouting it, Brad, because you're literally sitting there with every, I can, I hear them. So well, get, get a real job, get a degree. You do Go what back to college, do this, do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. I gotta wear a mask, you know, but hey. <laughs> yeah, but, but you're here, but that's, I, I think that's a huge The emphasis. thing is, is that I'm living. I'm feeling the flow. I live what I love to do. I don't wake up every day and go to work. I don't wake up every day and go, another day at work. You know, like, you know me personally. Sometimes I'm at work until 8 o'clock at night. Sometimes I'm at work at 4 o'clock in the morning and I'm there till 8 o'clock at night. It's because I lose perception of time. Flow state, man. Flow state when you're in the growth state. (laughs) I lose perception of time. I'm living a dream. You know, like to walk around and know that everything that you put in your hands on is eventually going to heal somebody. That's, it's powerful. It gives a vibration to you. It starts to make sense. You know, like uh, your purpose found you. Mm -hmm. So it's a, I'd say that the procession of a grower or a cultivator in cannabis would be somebody that sleeps till 12 o'clock in the afternoon, wears sloppy ass pants and doesn't shave or look accordingly, where that's completely wrong. These people are waking up at four o'clock in the morning. They're working until five o'clock. They're scientists and farmers. They're working an assembly line, but they're putting their passion into that assembly line. It's not a hundred people. It's maybe like five or six. No, no shit. So even a massive grow operations, it's only, we're talking. It's not a lot of folks, man. Yeah. Not a lot of folks at all. You're talking maybe two or three people per department, five departments. Yeah, yeah that's not big at all. No, not at all. Not at all. So those people's workload is substantial. <laughs> and yeah. they're, um, <clears throat> let's not say anything's perfect. We strive for perfection, but, you know, progress is the best way to hit it. But if you strive for perfect and get damn close, I'm happy, you know, so. Um, there isn't much chance for failure because it's an assembly line, right? And you have a process that has to be met. And then you have investors that want to see results. So um, in that assembly line, you're going to have something that dies. It's a living organism. You're going to have pests maybe uh, that you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have environmental issues to where it might be really cold and the ac breaks or you know maybe a hurricane shows up. maybe a hurricane shows up and the power goes out or you never know what's going to happen you know so there's a lot of obstacles that you're going to overcome there's a lot of things that are going to be thrown in your face but that's been the business forever you know right that's been the business you're facing five to ten on the first you know what i mean so yeah nothing changes it's actually way less of a risk so i I can see somebody operating with this risk and kind of going what do you mean corporate investments and relax man like this isn't pressure man it's not pressure at all and that's one of the things that you come into transition when you have you know like that relationship with the college and the underground with the college degree and the underground too is you know, they feel that pressure, whereas we don't feel that pressure too much. You know, you you kind of look at it like, oh, 
take it easy. It's not that big of a deal, you know. Like I like but, the mentorship. It's like, hey, buddy, this isn't a final exam. You're all right. I know you got to get your there. whole place isn't flooded and the cops aren't coming, and you know, <laughs> it's all right. We made it through worse. Trust me. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure there's been a point in my life where I've been running down the stairs with plants in a garbage bag and stashing them somewhere because I've completely fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can only imagine that you were referencing before, man, because there's times where I allegedly showed up at this friend's house that I know, and uh, pots and pans are everywhere, shit's cooking and boiling, and he's on to some new medicine. He's like, well, I, I found this natural plant that's growing in this place, and it's legal here, and if we mix this with something, maybe we're trying to reach some Parkinson's. And for me, walking in on that, as I'm like... This is, I love this. This, this is what happens. This is where medicine comes from. New antibiotics, new treatments, new ideas, man. And I think about the future of that. If we can get it to a medical level to where research is involved, I think that we'll see a change in medicine for the future to where we'll have a much more healthy being in general. Um, I've never seen anybody take a pill and come out ahead. Mm. I've never seen anybody in my therapy rooms that were talking about how their husband uh, smoked a, a joint, came home and beat the shit out of him. Never. Uh, I've never heard that. No. But you have experienced cancer and remission, and you have experienced people with MS stop shaking. Phew. Live on air on this show. You've experienced TV. people with MS actually live a life where they feel comfortable. And they don't feel, like, isolated. Um, I've had personal experiences with that myself. Uh, I haven't seen a pill fix cancer yet. <laughs> no, we, uh, we, we just get to keep people alive a little longer and drain their uh, relatives' bank accounts uh, for another six months to two years. Absolutely. And I don't know if you know about the MS medicine and stuff, but people end up becoming immune to that, and then they have to get on something else. And uh, the shot that they take for MS... You're talking like $800, $900 a week. Phew. Fuck. Yeah, we had a... Cannabis Chris cartridge might cost you $70, and that'll last you at least a month. My God. But that's $800 a shot not going to the, to the big corporations who pay the lobbyists that influence the politicians in our local area to pass legislation or keep legislation from passing to keep the chemical incarceration hammered down, man. That's above my pay grade. <laughs> no, you're, you're you're literally in the trenches doing that, man, and, and fighting it on on the other side. You know, there's uh, so many. It's such a big gathering happening, a movement to to change it, like you pointed out. Um, it's not a war. It's definitely a movement. It's not that we hate big pharma or that we disagree with everything that they're doing. It's like we need a change. It's not working, right? Yeah. It's not working. It's not, man. It's not and, working. And so for, I think that's what our generation was. We kind of strived on it. If it didn't work, well, let's fix it. <laughs> right. Isn't that let's what they taught it. you? Right. They yeah. taught us as kids, right? If it doesn't work, change the system. And instead, we, even as parents, propagandize the same system down to our children many times and don't even realize what we're saying. Now, when you look at the way politics is rolling right now on TV, which I don't really watch too much or partake in, and it kind of 
take some advice from me. It keeps you pretty nice and happy. But to hear it from everybody else, it kind of looks like everything's falling apart. But if you look underneath that first layer, it kind of feels like everything's coming together a little bit more than it's falling apart. Like it's almost a deception, you know. And mm. if you ever read The Art of War, yeah, a deception is pretty. Keep the citizens believing it's chaos, then they need your government. You need us to be in place. There's threatens of missiles from nuclear, right, from North Korea. Keep them in fear. Keep them threatened. Keep them distracted, not realizing the foundation underneath is actually cracking. Or we're going to all get together and smoke some cannabis and kumbaya, you know. So, like, <laughs> let's get everybody separated in fear of what's actually not going on because what's going on can change what the perception of this bullshit politics that is going on you know like it'll stop it'll be over with because people will have a brighter mind they'll be elevated they'll be uplifted instead of keep listening to this fucking garbage man. well not to not to mention if we can get one person off of or not having to take an antidepressant antipsychotic uh what they're finding now is a link to a lot of the mass shootings uh had interaction recently or uh, and or were taking things like prozac zoloft uh and antidepressants and still not working and moving to these decisions making right and so i'm pretty sure that's been the last 15 years man Every damn incident that's going on. What's put out the research on that? Somebody show me that research right now. And all these incidences in the last 10 years where there's been a mass shooting or some maniac that's flipped out. Let's see what they're on. I want to see their pill jar. Oh, they are. They've opened them up, man. Yeah. The, uh, the recent guy, uh, the, the most recent, the kid at school, uh, Prozac, Las Vegas shooter, Prozac, uh, Zoloft before that. So you're, these are literally... So what you're telling me as a psychologist psychiatrist is this is a band-aid oh god yeah superior band-aid that it doesn't work well the way they're supposed to be treated the way antidepressants are supposed to work including opiates including zaboxin which are supposed to get you off of them is they do a thing called titrate is you're supposed to take the antidepressant now mind you one in five are going to work so whichever one they try you with is one the one they're backed by and told to push but outside of that you roll in the dice just to see if one works and mind you like you said about ms medicine antidepressants only work for a little while and eventually they stop and you got to find another one so you got a one in five chance of finding the one that works good luck of finding one after that so you're supposed to titrate you're supposed to take that in hand in hand with therapy and behavior modification and with that you can get better results and then you titrate off the antidepressant they're too busy convincing people depression's a disease addiction's a disease it's not your fault so pills become if i have a disease well i have to take it all the time and we've gone as far as taking the sleeping pill ambien which is supposed to be a titrate not to take your whole life where people are taking every night I mean, so it's not even applied properly in the mental health system today. It's not used to titrate. Some do. There are some soldier doctors and psychiatrists out there that force titration, force you off the medication, and I think they just leave. But, um, yeah, essentially that's, that's, yeah, that's what's happening. On the, on the but when front. a kid that age taking an antidepressant and is not supervised and is playing Vice City on an antidepressant, you get situations like we just had, right? Yeah, yeah. No, you do. You, you roll the dice because imagine if the risk is you're willing to go insane enough to possibly want to kill yourself. What age well, what is other the side? brain actually mentally developed? Uh, for females, it's 25. For males, it's around 21, 22, I believe. Somebody may correct me on that. The female one, I'm pretty sure. They so if you're giving a kid a man antidepressant with an undeveloped mind, is he really depressed? <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, let me. You you ready for this shit? I'm I'm, I'm gonna piss you off. Here's the thing. <laughs> so here's what everyone take. They say, well, it's a serotonin and dopamine imbalance in your head, and what a, a lot of these antidepressants that they do, they work on the dopamine, serotonin uptake inhibitors, etc. So SSRIs and stuff. So you know, there is no research out there whatsoever that links serotonin and dopamine directly to the effect or cause of depression. It's a it's a theory. It's it's a theory. It's a theory. That's I'm pretty it. sure depression has a lot to do with environment. Yes. And so that is the social Probably consensus. like 60% to oh. do with environment. Oh, yeah. I'd go, yeah, I'd go further. I'd, I'd say another 25% to do with attention. Well, include their past environments. That also. Right? So that I'm going to take your present environment, then your past environments, and somewhere your biology and genetics are in there too. You know? uh, that's probably like a third of it. Probably yeah. in genetics, but that has to also involve environment, correct? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we still treat mood disorders like depression and PTSD as if they're chemical imbalances with pills when the idea is now most of the census that knows what they're talking about. It's a social disconnection, a lack of support, a supportive community connected to the people around you. All the things that, well, it's a, band, it's a band-aid. Yeah. It's a, it yeah. all points back to a simple band-aid. Yes, if sir. you're parenting the right a way, you're not going to have a depressed child. I'm sorry to like be so blunt, but yeah. it's true. If you're parenting the right way, you're probably not going to have a depressed child. And if you do have a depressed child and you're parenting the right way, he's probably not going to be depressed for too long. Yeah, and check the schools. Check the environment. What are we actually telling them to conform to? What do? are we eating? What are we drinking? What are we putting into the body to create? You know, that's where we get back. Now you're going to put a pill into them, too? Uh, come on, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, let's start a... with natural remedies first. And let's start with, like, driving to the park instead of the doctor. Well, when, the, when the society exists that says treat first with an antidepressant has a side effect of suicide and cannabis, which has never killed anyone, even by accident, that's illegal. Have you ever been around anybody with autism? Sure. Would you say that it takes a patient person to be around someone with autism or sure. a child with autism? Sure. Have you seen responses from children with uh, autism to patients? Yeah. Like if you take the time to take the time, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think a lot of times, too, in these schools nowadays, when we went to school, I think my fifth grade teacher was probably like 60 years old, man. Yeah. If you go to school now and look at a fifth grade teacher, they might be like seven, eight years older than the kid that's in there. I mean, that's exaggerating. But you know, yeah, like, you know like 20, mentally, you know what I mean? But like 25-year-old, 26-year-old elementary school teacher that doesn't have a kid that's trying to take care of a... Hell, their brain's not fully developed if they're under 24, 23. <laughs> they're still running around drinking and partying and acting like a fool. And then they come in and trying to raise a, a somebody else's kid. Yeah. Man. Well, yeah, the pay is shit. kind of shit. That's so who, what it is. Who, who really. gets the job? You're not retiring on that job unless you're a principal. So the idea is the young, it's a fresh out of college job is what it is. Go be a teacher, get paid, I don't know, $4 an hour, uh, you know, and deal with sick kids that are actually sick due to the environments more per se than their actual themselves being chemically imbalanced. Or, I think or, our friend Mike the Messenger would definitely say that, that uh, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, would, man. It's, I hope, you know, I, I, that's my, I don't know. I posted the other day on the tribe of change thing. I was doing if, you know, if I, if a miracle happened overnight and I woke up, what would have happened? You know, I asked people to kind of then dive further beyond that, play your miracle out and see if it really is a good thing. You know, my miracle is, uh, man, it's not anything to really do with cannabis, to be honest with you. Yeah. It has to do with more of like 
everybody putting love into something. I think where we've lost in the last 20 years in America, per se, is like people lost a lot of love. They lost the vibration and connection to things. <clears throat> if you put love into something and you put love into everything around you, then you're only receptive to it. If you put hate and that vibration out there, you're receptive to that. I've never smiled at anybody and got spit on. Mm. Yeah. I've never treated anybody with respect and been disrespected. Yeah. And if I disrespected enough to want to get angry, then you just walk away. You know, you don't engage. So I think, I think like everybody just getting along and getting over the ego and getting over all the bullshit. That's that would be my like perfect little perception of the way shit should be going on right now. You know, we're in the next five or ten years. Like, well, I think you're in the right medicine business that may allow that that uh, awakening of, of certain individuals. That's a great way to put it. Is I think everybody needs to be a little bit more awake and a little less unplugged. You know, yeah. like there's a lot of people unplugged and disconnected, and they're claiming this connection. The other thing is the social media is selling the brand of these people is all fake. You know, like they're on there on these social media sites and they brand themselves as this positive individual and this and that. They're faking it. You know, like you don't have to brand that. It's the you live the way you talk. You live that. You know, mm. um, we also have a mutual friend that showed us both that love is a it's a pretty powerful tool, man. Yeah, it can connect people across the whole country. You know, yeah, randomly. Randomly. At sent, the times I, they need I, it. And I've sent more than one individual to see this person. And No, I'm gonna, this, I'll, I'll put that on Front Street for myself, man. I was in the middle of going through a divorce, and it was rough for me, and I took off across the country driving, and I happened to be driving through a town where a wonderful lady, uh, I'm going to put her out there, man, as uh, Mama D exists, and happened to be driving through there about the time you're going, I need you to stop since you're driving across to this little place called Sedona and look for her. And I'm like... Well, fuck, dude, I'm here. <laughs> and you're like, no shit. And right there, an introduction. And, and that that was a beautiful thing for me, too, man. If it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. No mm. oh, shit. No, not at all. Uh, when I met her, she told me to follow my heart, follow passion, follow what you love. All seemed crazy, you know, because this world is crazy. Or the East Coast vision is a little more crazy than the West Coast vision. We're a little more structured, so... To say when I met her eight or nine years ago that I'd be growing cannabis legally in Florida, I think we'd all laugh at that. <laughs> well, hell yeah. yeah. There was no talk about it at all. No, we'd all laugh about that. Um, but that lady has a certain vibration that we can all connect to. And if you connect to that, you're going to feel a little bit different push in life. And that push... It becomes a drive. That drive becomes a vision. That vision becomes a dream. The dream becomes a reality, and then it becomes a lifestyle. Mm. And that lifestyle is beautiful. And when, I'm sure when you met her, she's living her dream and living her lifestyle, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, She doesn't stop laughing, doesn't stop smiling, doesn't stop sharing, doesn't stop giving because she follows her heart. So when you get that connection and you're able to follow that, sometimes... It might lead you the wrong way, but you end up catching things a lot faster than normal people catch them. So it doesn't become devastating. Mm. So I think when that perception comes around for everybody and everybody comes interconnected again instead of disconnected, we'll have a much better environment to live in. Mm. It's much nicer to walk past people and say good morning and hi than put your head down and walk past them, you know? 
Yeah, and don't look at people. You you talked about connection once before, um, a difference between attachment and connection. And I think social media, I think, creates that difference or that illusion for people to where uh, I am attached because of social media. It's attached us all. Now, they use the word connect. It's connected us all. But I, I like the way you covered the difference between the connection and the attachment. And I, I think that's an influence here with the social media aspect, even cannabis. Well, attachment is something that you're seeking well, a connection is something that you want, right, with everything. But attachment is something that you get when you're seeking something that you want and you're kind of, I wouldn't say misled, but you're definitely not seeing the right way. So you're seeking a, a connection, but the attachment comes when you want something so bad that you're looking for that connection in something that doesn't have it. Mm. Hmm. So... Fucking no, it's deep, man. Is I actually there was a podcast where you and I were talking on the phone, and I wrote these notes down when you brought this up, and I did a little podcast on. It. I did a little version about the difference with connection and attachment, things you're connected to, and we even talked because then I was like, you know what though? Because you had me marinating hard on the difference between the attachment and the connection. And uh, the attachment being something, like you said, we grab onto along the way that kind of distracts us and hope for so bad that we found it, that we attach to the false ideas and are no longer open to real connection. It comes with fear first. Mm. Like, that's where the attachment comes from. Uh, Face everything and rise or fuck everything and rage any way you want to look at it. You got this fear of the way you have perceived things or this list that you have that you didn't really create, society created. You know, nobody has a time frame. There's no set time frame of the way you need to be or the way you need to live. So you've become attached to something because you think you're supposed to be that way or supposed to be a certain way that society perceives or this timeline has been placed out. Like you graduate high school, you're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to have the hot girlfriend in high school and the hot girlfriend in college, marry her and have kids. You know, American dream. But that's society's perspective, you know. So that puts a little pressure on some people sometimes, and that's where that attachment comes in. And then when they're attached to this stuff and they actually sit back and they start dreaming again, they start realizing there's no connection. Mm. Yeah. Oh man, why is there no connection here? Why don't I why don't I feel connected to this person or this job? Because it wasn't love. You know, and that's where you bring back the whole love thing. If you're attached to something, you might not feel that vibration of love, but if you're connected to something, you've already felt the vibration of love. That's why you're connected to it already. Mm. But I love, uh, and I hit you back after about four days of me going, fucking hell. And I said, you know what? I don't think we're guaranteed how long that connection lasts. Never. You know what I mean? We're not told it could be two years, it could be two weeks, maybe it's a lifetime. It, it's a lifetime of connection, mm -hmm. but the point that it's in your life doesn't, you don't know how long it's going to last. The connection's forever, but it just comes through sometimes. It might stay, it might go, but there's a reason you were connected to it. There's a reason you felt that vibration. Are you, you wouldn't have shared your time with it. Are you attached or connected to cannabis? I'm completely connected. There's no way I wouldn't be attached to a thing that's provided so much stability in my life and so much um, healing, mm. you know. The other part of it, it's made a lot of other people happy. I see them smile every time I see them. Ah, I would agree. And that joy in itself is like, I put my passion into something. I give it to somebody else. They have a passion for it. They express their love back to me. It's a full circle, man. 
It is the full circle. I it's mean, the it's the full circle. That's what you want, right? You want to do something that makes a difference in somebody else. You don't want somebody to grab something that you've done or grab a, um, let's per se, a podcast that you put out and say it's shit, you know? You mm-hmm. want somebody to look at the product and the thing that you're putting out and say it's beautiful, it's wonderful. And that's where that connection comes. Now, if you're attached to your job and you're just putting out some used car or uh, selling some bullshit dream every day, like, hey, this is a Toyota, blah, 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 here we go, buddy, 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 yeah, ha, 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 <laughs> and then you go home and tell your wife, I'm so fucking sick and tired of selling Toyotas, you know, like, this dumb son of a bitch spent 40 grand on a Toyota today, nah, nah, you're attached, there's no circle, by the time you get home, you already broke off of what you did. I get home, I can't wait to think about getting back and touching my fucking plants again. <laughs> Come on. What the fuck, man? Yeah. How does, your, some, how does somebody how does somebody break through that fear, man? How does some I mean, because the reason I think you're the person to ask for this is because to stay in the business you were in for so long with a focus and a passion to get to this legal state, you know, you had to face those ideas of hanging it up. I mean, not just like a fucking entrepreneur, because you're facing other issues. You're facing freedom being gone, other ideas, right? So staying in that, you know, that's why I ask you is how do you face that fear that and for them it's not incarceration, right? That's <laughs> just losing a job. Yeah. So how does one face, uh, you know, their you fear? You go back to that attachment connection thing again, right? How do you face your fear is you don't become attached to anything. If it doesn't believe in the same passion and the same dream that you have, then it's not for you. Mm. So if you're not attached to anything, you've isolated yourself to be so focused on your dream. Eventually, it's just going to lay out in front of you because you're focused on it. Distraction. That's what's going to keep you from getting you to your dreams. Not having the discipline to stay away from the distraction will keep you from your dreams. And you don't want to sit back in 20 years and be like, I should have, could have, would have. Because it's too late, right? Yeah. Everybody always says it's too late. So if you just stick to it. Uh, there's been a lot of times where I've tried to hang things up and try a new route and still cause you back, man. You know what works, right? You go to a restaurant and you eat the same shit all the time and you love it. You don't go there and order some shit because you're going to be disappointed. It's obvious. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's obvious. So just stick to it. You know, like no matter what curveballs thrown at you and the roof caving in, you feel like everybody's walking out of your life, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's because it's the natural process when you're following your dream. You know, sometimes things just start moving out of the way. Things start happening a lot faster. It's because you're connected. How's that correlated to the same as being connected to, I don't know, a family of plants? You know, cultivating that. You know, how is that? I'll give you a great example. Yeah. On a daily routine. Oh, there you go. I don't play with microphones, obviously. Go ahead. Um, I could water any between 1,800 and 3,000 plants, right? Yeah. It's a team, but you oversee the team, you go through the process. So you want to make sure everything's, you know. Certain times, certain lights have to be off and on. I can take you in a room of 800 plants, per se, in the dark, right? Now, a plant doesn't have a voice. plant doesn't have legs, doesn't have hands, doesn't have a mouth. I take every kid in that room and tell them to close their eyes. 
and trust me for a second, I'm not going to play with your ass or grab you or nothing like that. Yeah. But there's 800 plants in here that you're giving love with me every single day for the last week. This is after a seven days with me. They're going to give you love right back. Every single person that I've taken in that room walks out of there and looks at me with this chicken skin like, what the hell is going on? Mama D calls them God bumps. God bumps. <laughs> have you connected to a living organism because you're showing it love every day and caring for it and it shows you love back so if people start to realize that everything that you put your energy out to puts energy back to you right so if you put a bunch of bombs out there expect a bunch of bombs to go off but if you put a bunch of love out there it's only going to come back that's why i send people to mama d that's my only way to respect the love that she showed me they send people back that I know have the equal love in their heart. I can feel it. I just don't got the code to crack it. And you know as well as I do, she's got the code. Yeah. She's got the juice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she does, man. She's got the juice. I don't care who you are, where you come from, how you act. She'll crack you. Yeah, I love the, well, even their science experiments. They do them in uh, ninth grade uh, science classes even where um, – each child takes a plant, and one half the the classroom yells obscenities, mean things at the plant for a while, and the other half says nice things to the plant. And after a while, it dies. The ones with bad things die. The ones spoken softly to and kindly to grow. Yeah, I've hugged the plant. Please don't die. I love you so much. Boom. No shit. It's not instant. But, I mean, after a week or so, yeah, you're going to get Really? Some you're going into a place hugging and loving the plant every That's morning? That's what I just explained to you. It's throwing it. a vibration back it. to you. You're giving love to something every day. You're giving it life. Yeah. You're giving it water. You're giving it light. You're yeah. providing an environment for it to thrive and be the best it could possibly be, right? Yeah. Now, if you went in there with a piss poor attitude every day and you're throwing, let's say, shit water in there that doesn't do anything for the plant, it's not going to give you the same result. That's. That's the thing that people don't realize in this business. It's you can't get results out of a living organism if you don't have a passion for it. Okay, mm -hmm. you don't go to a zoo and see a bunch of animals that aren't fed healthy, looking great, and you know, like there's passion involved with a zookeeper. Yeah, you know, there's passion involved with a farmer. That's what we are. We're cultivators. We're farmers, pretty yeah. much. Nine to five, five to five, actually, <laughs> killing yourself, working hard, filling up dirt. Dirty as hell, smelling like shit, washing, cleaning, no pride. Yeah. Because you got a passion. You know, you got a passion for something. You got a passion to change what how, you see around you. How much of, well, because you, you know the, hum, the, the plant, the cannabis plant development from birth to, to end and rotation and cycle more than anybody I know. And also a, a vibe that's tapped into what's happening, you know, in, in the world. So, correlate you already correlated how the the grow rooms and love out you know but how a human then develops through life as the birth of a plant a cannabis plant begins all the way to how it may end or the result of it in a correlation of the somebody's human experience you know what i mean for example you got a hurricane comes through and takes down everything most people would take down your pride it's all your hard work knock you down on your ass you know but that's what life does, right? It knocks you on your ass. Yeah. What cannabis treats you is that no matter how life knocks you on your ass, you're going to pop back as long as there's love involved. Mm. That's the secret. Now, I've seen things happen in front of my face that almost seem unrealistic because if you don't have power, 
and the temperature is 120 degrees, things aren't supposed to stay living. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they live. Yeah. Because there's so many people there that love the damn things, and they're trying hard, hard, hard to keep them living that they just bounce back. So the lesson learned from cannabis is resilience. Always. Yeah. And if you stay resilient and you stay strong, you could probably heal people. Ooh, that's a good one, right? Damn. <laughs> Bruh. Oh, man. I love it that the fact that, you know what, to all the other growers out there, I'm sure that you have love and stuff, but uh, if you're looking for that scientific secret weapon, really, it's just love, man. It's just love. There's no chemical. You could use different chemicals. There's all kinds of companies. Number one milliliters love, man. Ah, I dig that, man. You'll come back on uh, Can of Cast a lot more? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I You're probably it. never going to see me again. That's why I wore the mask. <laughs> well, that's the good point, though, man. But it's, it's dropping the inside information, right? Because a lot of times right now in this business, all you're seeing are the PR people, the marketing people, and the conspiracy people. You're seeing all the people that want to make a quick buck. Those aren't the people, man. Mm. Those aren't the people that are behind it. You know, for a long time, I've yeah. been talking to you about this for the last, what, four or five years. Yeah. How many of these people have been talking to you about this for the last four or five years? No. So there's a lot of people that just jumping in because they see the alternative money motive, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's like jumping on the real estate bandwagon or just jumping. Everybody's got a real estate license. Bitcoin. Everybody's, <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin. What the hell is a Bitcoin? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but yeah, that too. You know, like, so... That's where I think the perception's getting messed up a little bit because you're seeing these people moving, shaking, middlemans between doctors sometimes, and doctors want this and they want. Man, that's not how it works. You're getting that PR stuff. That court. Yeah, this that isn't. This isn't. This isn't pharma. You know, we're not big pharma, man. We're not here to blow smoke in anybody's ass. You know, we're here to to change, make a change, make oh. a difference. Hug and bring medicine, man. I appreciate you coming on, man. No problem. Yeah, sometimes I try to give people a shot because sometimes uh, there's a real thing called podcast remorse. I do it often where I do a podcast and at the end I go, shit, I meant to say or I wanted to cover. The one thing I wanted to get to, I didn't. So if there's anything that maybe you didn't get to, it doesn't have to be. But if uh, something you wanted to say or make sure it got out there or something, man, just a, a reminder for one second of podcast remorse for not happening. You talk about attachment and connection, man. How many times have you and I tried to separate and this fucking shit keeps bringing us back together? <laughs> yeah, man. Full uh, circle. That's the only thing I got to say. It's real. I dig it, bro. Love you, man. Take it easy. Love you too, bud.